Thank you all for coming. Um, sorry for being rude and running around and not saying hello, I promise I will in a second. But um, thank you all for coming today. We've got, I'm guessing you know at least some of the speakers or, or all of them, but we'll just do a quick introduction before each presentation, just so you know who it is um, talking at you. Um, so the first stop is Emil. He's, um, his company is hosting this event. He's been in uh, Tokyo now for 20 years, I think, roughly. 10 years? 20 years, right? Yeah. And um, he's the go-to for anyone looking for a family home in Tokyo, particularly international uh, couples or mixed couples. Uh, it's just difficult to get, um, you know, the wholehearted service that he gives in English is just difficult to get even in Tokyo, definitely in the rest of Japan. So um, he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, he, he knows everything there is to know about the city and family homes in the city in particular. And um, I'll let him do the rest. Thank you. Awesome, dude. Thank you very much. Okay, fantastic. Let's uh, get into it. Um, <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, today um, my particular uh, art is you know buying a personal home in in Tokyo, okay, or in Japan. Um, let's get into it. The introductions are there. Okay, so a little bit about us. So uh, real estate JP is well, it's um the, the business that I that I run. Um, our mission is to help foreigners buy a home in Japan. Okay? Um, this is something that I struggled with when I was first you know, looking. I started a family, so I thought this is something that I can help other people also do, and that's our ultimate mission. Um, our office is in Ibis, you know, in, uh, in Tokyo, very, very central. Um, and because we're a licensed agent, we have access to the RAINS database, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. That is the um, uh, the national listings database, which all agents upload their listings for uh, around Japan, so we have access to all of that. And also, because we are a licensed agent, we have um, access to uh, um, the, the banks and home loan centers, and they assign a loan officer directly to our agency. So we also do the mortgage broking function as well, um, so you don't have to deal with any banks. Now, our primary focus is family homes in central Tokyo, and also um, investment properties. If you're looking for a, a mansion in, you know, in, in Tokyo for investment, um, uh, a lot of stuff outside of that, Ziv will have a, a nice discussion for you um, later on today. A little bit about myself, so Ziv kind of introduced a little bit about me. Um, I'm Australian. Um, this May will be 20 years in Japan for me. So I, I came in 2003, it's been quite a while. Um, I've got a Japanese wife and three lovely little children. Um, they are in actually Australia right now. They're going to be there for one year, a little bit of a tangent. Um, they're there for one year for some uh, primary schooling and to get a bit of a, a cultural um, sort of you know, mix and English schooling. And although that's not real estate related, I think there are many families here, many people that uh, you know, also have children and are a bit confused about or uncertain about the right way to do English education. So yeah, happy to have that discussion with you as well. I don't know if it's the right choice, but uh, yeah, I think if there's any interest, please pull me aside later on and we can have a, have a chat about that. Um, the first home I bought was when my first child was born um, in 2013, and that's when you know, I started looking, getting into financing, I did everything myself, and it was quite tricky, quite complex. Um, it was a house in Shibuya, a brand new uh, three-story, three-bedroom house, family home. Then after, um, uh, after that, I met some real estate agents through that and decided that I can share my knowledge and share my experience to help other people also in the process. And that's when I started working as an agent. Then when I had my second child in 2015, we decided we needed a bigger, a bigger property, and so I went through the same process all over again. So I've done this twice myself. Um, I also own two investment properties in, in, uh, in Australia, so I've done both, both sides of, uh, of it. Um, during the Airbnb boom in 2015, um, through to 2019, just pre-COVID, I also got up to 12 Airbnb properties, so I have lots of experience with the short-term rental, that's also how I got to meet uh, Blinka. Uh, not Blinka, sorry, Tracy. Blinka's a bit more recent. That's how I got to meet Tracy, who's uh, going to speak to you later about short-term um, short uh, rental property management. Yeah. Um, and I'm very passionate about helping foreigners buy a home. I think it's, it's such an a important task that, you know, um, even for myself, raising a family, having your own home, having that security, having that foundation, a place to raise your family is very, very important. So I want to give I feel very comfortable where I'm at, and I want to give that same sort of comfort and peace of mind to, to others. 
Okay, so I just touched on it a little bit. Now, why buy in Japan? Okay, so you know, I think it's important to have your own home. Um, it's a great place to, you know, as a foundation and for even just financial security. But the real thing about Japan that makes it such a great deal is the financing. Okay, um, the uh, home loan terms are just absolutely fantastic. And you've heard a lot about them, um, but maybe you're not sure, is this even real? Is it, am I eligible for it? What is it? You know, it's near zero percent financing. It's half a percent, 0.7 percent. I think the lowest we've gotten for someone was 0.425 percent. Um, 105 percent financing. When we talk about 105 percent loans, it's 100 percent for the property value plus the closing costs, which come to about, you know, five to eight percent. So you have very little money out of pocket. It's actually cheaper than, than renting, you know, the, the key money and deposit and agency fees you need to pay for renting. You need more cash to rent than it is to even buy a property. You get to own your own home after 35 years, okay, which is one, one of the pros of it. Um, and it's cheaper than rent because interest rate is so low, okay, the monthly payments are, are cheaper than rent, even with taxes and, and um, interest. You also have, the, you get an annual tax rebate as well, every year, from um, up to 350,000 yen per year, depends on the property, depends on your income, um, and that runs for about 13 years now. They've just changed the, they've just revised the tax code. Um, so that's up to four and a half million yen worth of um, cash back you get in your annual tax return for 13 years, just for having a home loan for your primary residence. So, this uh, presentation is going to look at um, largely like any time we have a discussion, there's two big factors that we look at, okay? It's the property side of things and the financing side, all right? So let's move on to the property part of the discussion now. I forgot to start my timer. Thank you. All right. So house or mansion, all right? A lot of this really is your personal preference. What do you prefer? Okay, because there are sort of pros and cons for each, and I'll just sort of run briefly through some of the differences. A lot of these are going to be apparent, but there might be one or two sort of nuggets of information for you. So, generally, a house is multi level, okay, two or three stories. You don't really get a single story house in, 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 in Tokyo or in Japan. Whereas a mansion is going to be one level for the most part. Sometimes they have a mezzanine style. Okay, but for the most part, it's one, it's one floor. And again, that's personal preference. Sometimes people that are you know, downsizing, you know, the kids have moved out, they're getting rich in the retirement stage, they may just prefer you know, a, a single, single level, so they avoid stairs. Okay? Um, a a uh, house has a car park included, quite commonly. Okay? There's a car parking space in the front. Uh, with a mansion, when you rent, when you, even if you own a, a mansion or an apartment, the car park space is almost never included in the property. You have to rent that separately, and if there is a parking space even available in your building, okay? Um, and that's anywhere from 20 to 50,000 yen per month, just in the, the car park rental fee. So that's also a, an important consideration. Yeah. The, we talk about management fees, so, and management rules, okay? Uh, in a house, there, are no, there is no management company. You don't really have to follow any rules or guidelines. If you want to smoke in the house, that, that's entirely up to you. Um, if you want to have you know, a get-together, if you want to have barbecues on the balcony or on the rooftop, um, if you want to have a pet, all right, you, you, can, you can do that. Whereas if with a mansion, of course, you have to follow the, the rules. Like pet is a big one that, that I have lots of clients when I'm looking for an, uh, for an apartment. Pet only, okay? And that's kind of, that really restricts the amount of uh, properties that you can actually, uh, um, uh, you, you can view, all right? Then there's the management fee, okay? With a house, there's no management, or there is a, you do need to repair your property, when, you know, every 10 years or so, you need to do exterior maintenance, whereas with a mansion, you pay that monthly, okay? The management fee, the sinking fund, um, and then the repair fee, you pay that monthly. Some people think, look, that's a waste of money, I'd rather do it myself or manage it myself, but for some people, um, especially if you consider, if you, you know, just don't want to deal with that kind of thing, a, a mansion has some, some benefits in that regard because it's the, the management company takes care of it. Um, uh, also, yeah, there will be some uh, time for Q&A at the end of this, so uh, if you have any questions. Um, 
The, the other one is uh, the house tends to be at least yeah, 70 to 80 square meters inside. So a two or three LDK and above. All right, we don't often get you know 50 square meter houses. Whereas a, a mansion, you can find that sort of size, a, a one LDK, two LDK mansion. So if you're looking for a smaller size, then you'll be kind of you know your better option and uh, would be a, a mansion. Uh, lastly, the structure. Most times, a, a house is made of wood, and a mansion is concrete. So you can buy some concrete houses sometimes, but usually there aren't very many of them and they are more costly, okay? So that's also something to, to consider if you're having a real personal preference. Okay, so new versus used. Of course new is more expensive, but this is probably one of the biggest sort of misconceptions that I want to put forward to people, especially the what's said in Japan that it is you know, houses depreciate very quickly and they're worth nothing at the end of their life, okay? Just to dispel that myth, um, houses do not sort of depreciate the same way a brand new car depreciates once you drive it off the lot, okay? Um, a two-year-old house is not gonna be worth 25% less than a brand new house. Rather, it's, it's only the building that will depreciate, not the land value, and the building actually depreciates quite gradually, um, you know, for accounting purposes, a wooden structure will be over about 24 years. A mansion is about 40 years, 40, 44 years, I believe. Okay? So even a two-year-old building, like a house, will be similar price to a brand new one next door. Okay? There's not, not a great deal of difference in price. Um, a new building has the latest uh, um, fittings and designs. So especially now with a more eco-friendly um, you know, windows, shower heads, um, you know, the extra features now, like, you know, my, my toilet has, I think, like 20 buttons on the remote control. Um, one of the things we love about Japan very much. Right? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, so that, that's one of, one of the benefits of it. Um, it they do come with a structural guarantee, you know, like a brand new house um, for 10 years. And uh, also all the appliances are generally um, warranted for, for two years. So, like, you know, toilet breaks at the kitchen sink, you know, the, the tap has an issue. Those fittings have a, a two-year warranty in general. Okay? And if you purchase in the uh, early stages of construction, you can often select your own, you know, your color and, and the design, the wallpaper, the floorboard coloring, uh, and so on. With a used property, um, you know, you can get used properties a little bit cheaper, of course, but then there's also the renovation cost. Okay, and renovation and uh, Blanca, who's from an uh, art reform, will speak to you later. Um, I think just just after me, actually, uh, about the cost of renovations. But you know, ballpark figure is about half a million to one million yen per ten square meters of of property. Okay, so if you have an eighty square meter apartment, so maybe or house, maybe four million to seven million yen will be the cost to renovate a, a used property. Okay, so something to keep in mind. It's not just the uh, the sale price that you need to consider. All right, and now some of the price influencing factors. Um, the first three I think are very, very apparent to a lot of people, and then the next three are, uh, I think, are going to be pretty uh, useful for you. Um, so location, of course, being here in Natoku is different to being in a different prefecture, for example, you know, Saitama, even just further out, you know, I'm, I'm in Setagaya, and those prices are a lot more reasonable than they are. Uh, right here inside the Yamanote line. The distance from this train station, okay, is, is another one. Uh, we've all seen, you know, five minutes from the station, seven minutes from the station. Uh, how that's actually calculated is 80 meters is one minute, okay? They don't just have some random guy sort of run and, and test. 80 minutes to the nearest train station entrance or exit, okay? Um, so 80 meters to that is, is one minute. That's how they calculate. And then, of course, the size. Okay, the size of the land, the size of the building, okay, or the apartment, the actual room in the, uh, in the mansion um, is the next big factor. And one thing I didn't list here is age, the age of the building. Now, what, what is quite, um, you know, some people may not be aware of, is a big, big factor in price of land is going to be the width of the street in front of the house, right? So you've seen some streets like in residential areas. So with a large mansion, Often, to, in order to build it, they need to be on a large road. So you don't get a, a mansion really tucked away in the corner of the back street so much. But for a house, um, often you do. 
have that. So when you're on a narrow street, maybe only one car can sort of fit in a little bit tightly. Those ones tend to be quite cheaper in price. You know, anywhere from you know, 10 or 15% cheaper than, than something that's on a larger road, okay? And depending on your preference, that may not be a bad thing. Like for myself, I've got three little children and they play on the street. When I open the door, I don't want them just to run out and you know, be in a heavy traffic area. So something like that for me is, I actually think that's a good thing. You know, it's a quieter area, not a lot of traffic. The only deliveries, you know, the, the Amazon, Sagawa Yubin or Kuroneko that sort of come past. So I, I think that that's a good, a good thing to, um, to get. Um, land orientation, so southeast facing is, tends to be the, the preference in Japan. In winter, you get the nice early morning sun and it avoids the harsh westerly afternoon sun in, um, in summertime, okay? Uh, in the tower mansions, um, yeah, sorry, for example, the, yeah, the, the morning sun, you love having this inside your, you know, inside your house in an early winter morning, right? It really heats up as you, as you feel in this room. For the, uh, the tower mansions that we see, the higher the floor, um, the, the more expensive the property, um, it's hard to tell in the, in the used market, they don't really go up in sort of the same kind of rates because there's a lot of factors that, that uh, influence sort of the price. Um, but when you're buying a brand new in a town mansion, often each floor higher, assuming it's the same, same building or the same, same apartment on the same corner and it just goes higher and higher, it's about 500,000 yen per floor higher than you go. So 20 floors is going to be about 10 million yen more expensive than the, the lower floor. Um, and then also about the, the view as well, okay, that, you know, there's going to be a certain floor that's underneath the neighboring um, uh, building's view, but once you clear that view, then there's a bit of a premium. But in general, about 500,000 yen per floor higher is the, the increase in cost. Um, some things to avoid, so I'm just going to touch on these, and it's important to know you're not going to buy any of these properties, but the first one is leased land. In Japan, it's quite common to yeah, it's not having freehold land, actually just renting the land is a thing. Not overly common, but maybe, you know, I, from what I see, about maybe 5% of the listings when we're searching will pop up like that. So if you're searching, when you're searching and you see a property that, hey, this one looks too good to be true, okay, it's too cheap, what's going on? First thing you should check is leased land, okay, it's freehold or leased. Um, and then the next thing to look at is if it's a non-regulation structure. So sometimes, based on the you know the, the land size, you can only build a property that's 100 square meters. But if someone has built something that's 110 square meters, then it's not regulation. It's built a little bit too large, too close to the neighbors. There could be a bunch of things. So non-regulation structure is also something to avoid. And this is going to be very hard to get financing for. That's why it tends to be a cash purchase. Um, or so it's very hard. It's only being able to sold to a cash buyer and only being able to be. Um, when you, if you, even if you buy it, when you resell it, you won't have a lot of uh, clients, uh, sorry, a lot of potential customers because it's cash only. And the last one is no rebuild allowed. So in Japanese, saiken chikifuka. Um, and that means you, you won't run into this too much, but sometimes there's an old house, like 1970s and before. It could be on the back property. You know, sometimes there's a house at the front and another property towards the rear. If uh, the property at the rear only has a very, very narrow walkway, maybe less, it's less than two meters, but sometimes you know, there's not enough for a car or even just a bicycle to go through. You can't rebuild that property. You can't tear it down and rebuild it. Even if it um, burns down, the council won't give you permits to rebuild. You can live there, you can renovate it, but you cannot rebuild. So we tend to avoid those ones and you can't get financing for them either. And anything more, any modern properties won't have that problem because they're only built because uh, they, um, you know, they, they got the permits for it. So just the 1970s and before kind of properties. Okay, now let's touch on financing. So I think this is probably the area that most people are a little bit confused about, okay, or uncertain about where they, where they stand. And this was definitely very much the case for me. And I had to jump through a lot of hoops and really sort of figure out um, what the financing options are and how they differ. For, uh, you know, for people, you know, I want to say for people in our circumstance, often for, one, we don't really speak the, like, speak the language so well, let alone to understand bank contracts and mortgage terms um, and documents. 
um, you know, it gets quite complex. So, um, you know, there's some things that I've, I've experienced and I do regularly on you know, a week-to-week basis with my clients. So let me sort of explain uh, the home loan assessment criteria that the banks use, okay, or what they look at. The first one, of course, is residency status, okay? Are you, if you're a permanent resident holder, fantastic. Otherwise, okay, we have some extra hoops to jump through in terms of residency. Um, and then what about your spouse? Do you have a Japanese spouse or is your spouse a permanent residency um, visa holder? Okay, that's something else that the bank will look at. Then about your employment, right? What kind of, are you a seishain, a permanent employee, or a contractor, or, or, or a part-time worker? Um, what's the length of your employment? You know, Japanese don't, in Japan, changing jobs every year is not very, very common, right? So a long length of employment, one year, two, three, four years onwards is also looked at. Um, your employer size, okay, is it a small company, five staff, two staff, or is it a listed company like Sony, all right? Um, and then your income. Your income is used to decide how much you can borrow, and we're gonna look at that uh, in a second. So I said one thing that I feel that I do well um, from my experience with foreigners is understanding how all those criteria, based on like your specific situation, I'm able to think okay, which bank will best be able to will, will give you the best financing terms. And by best financing terms, I mean 100 or 105 percent finance and very low interest rate. Okay. So just looking at this, I've put six different banks up here, and you notice that each one of them has a different way they assess criteria. Some permanent residency is required, some of them it is not. All right? Some you need to be um, uh, have a Japanese spouse, some you don't. So they'll give you 80% financing or 100% financing, um, your work experience, your Japanese ability. Each bank will assess it differently. So rather than you yourself sort of going and trying to figure it out yourself, Okay, that's why I like to have a consultation and I'll sort of discuss and have an idea of, from my experience, which institute will give you the best financing terms. Okay? When, what I don't like seeing happening is, you know, I, I meet someone through a you know, social contact or no way out and they say, oh yeah, I tried with this bank and they wouldn't give me a loan. So they've just kind of given up on the idea of buying a property. Um, that kind of saddens me because I'm a year and I think, well, hold on, I actually know a bank that will give you 100% financing based on your situation. Um, you've self-assessed yourself based on a Google search and asking a few friends. You may have missed that bank E or bank D would have actually been able to give you the, the financing that you needed. Yeah. So it's very complex and that's probably I think why maybe uh, quite a few of you are here to try to demystify that. Okay, so next is the um, uh, the borrowing tables. How much you can borrow and how much the monthly repayments are on a typical Japanese mortgage. I've put a few example prices here, but in general, you can borrow about seven to eight times your annual salary if you're just a straight up salaried employee. Okay? What you get on your Gensen Shoshigo, your annual tax withholding slip, the price, uh, the, the highest number on there, you know, if you're on eight million yen a year, you can borrow, you can borrow about um, 60 million yen from the bank. All right. So yeah, just your annual salary by about seven to eight times. And then the other number you need to know is your re your repayment. How much can you pay? Uh, how much is repayment going to cost you per month? All right. So the repayment is about twenty-seven thousand yen per ten million yen of borrowing. Yeah. So if you for every ten million yen that you borrow, that's twenty-seven thousand yen per month. All right. Here, so if you borrow a hundred million yen. Look what we have here is 270,000 yen a month in mortgage repayments. There's generally two ways we calculate you know, the client's budget. One is, okay, what's the most that I can borrow? How much will the bank give me? Okay, my income is you know, in, on this table, my income is 12 million, 12 million yen per year. I can borrow 100 million yen from the bank. Okay, and the lower payments are 270,000, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. So, okay, you can borrow 100 million plus however extra cash you have. The cash savings if you want, or maybe you can just cap that 100 million. That's one way of assessing your budget. The other way to look at it is, well, you know what, I can only spend 160,000 yen a, uh, a month on, on mortgage repayments. That's my cash flow. 
other, other stuff about young children and I want to spend money on their education to go to private schools and what have you, international schools. So then you just do a reverse calculation. 160,000 yen divided by 27,000 gets you a 60 million yen loan. All right, so they tend to be the two ways that we look at you know, how to assess your budget, how much you can borrow or how much you're comfortable paying back in terms of monthly cash flow. And this is something that, you know, if we get on the call and we do sort of that, you know, the, our, my standard sort of consultation discussion, um, this is something we sort of talk about and we touch on very in the specifics. And now associated costs. We've all heard, okay, yeah, you, when you buy property, there's all these other costs, all right? And it's, you know, you hear 5%, 10%, you need this much cash. What are these costs? Um, so there's, they come to about 6 to 8%, all right? Uh, they are scrivener fees, the agency fee, which is, that's our commission, that's how we, how we get paid, um, stamp taxes, uh, life insurance. Okay, so life insurance, within Japan, when you get a home loan, a mortgage, you have to get the life insurance attached to it, which means if you die, the policy gets paid off. Okay, and that's pretty much compulsory. The bank will have one of their subsidiary companies that provide the, the insurance for you. That's often, in, that's included with the, kind of the low establishment fee. They may charge it as an establishment fee. They may charge it as a, um, as just a, as an insurance fee. Or they may charge it as a 0.2% increase in the premium of the interest rate. So instead of a 0.5% interest rate, they'll give you a 0.7% interest rate. And the life insurance is included in the policy, which is actually, Pretty good. The, that kind of cost is very, very good. And also something to kind of be grateful for. I just had a, a, a friend of mine sort of passed away in, in September. He was 48 years old. His house, he's a foreigner in, in Tokyo. Um, his house now, basically the mortgage has gone to zero and his wife and daughter get that property. Like they inherit it as they would any property, but there's no debt associated with it. Okay, if there was no life insurance with it, there would be like an 80 million yen property. It's only like had it for I think seven years. Uh, a 80 million yen property would, um, you know, comes along with that, the remaining debt, right? They don't just, the, the, the spouse doesn't just inherit it and have no, no debt associated with it. So it is good protection for the family. Um, and then there's insurance, which is the, the Kasai Hokan, so the fire, earthquake, and home and contents insurance. For a house that tends to be around, you know, 60 to 100,000 yen per year, all right, for a mansion, because it's a concrete structure, um, it's uh, it's cheaper, maybe about half of that, okay? But just budget about, you know, um, a bit conservative, about 100,000 yen per year, okay? And so when you, um, the banks require you to have this insurance um, for the, uh, the, the life of the loan term, okay? So, but that's something you can just get yourself. Right, so including all that, about 6 to 8% are the fees. Um, these two examples right here at the bottom, um, they, they could be a bit difficult to see. They are two clients we've just had in December, okay, that we sold the two, uh, the two deals we did at the end of December. One is 70 million, 71 million yen, the other one is 92 million yen. Um, their total costs, well, did that put the laser pointer works on the screen? Total costs for the 70 million yen loan was about 5.3 million yen. And the 92 million yen loan, the total cost was 6 million yen, 6.1 million yen. These actual, these two uh, loans, these two clients were sort of on kind of the polar opposites of the financing situation, to be honest. Um, the 70 million yen loan one was included 100% financing, uh, sorry, 105%, so all the closing costs were included. Um, so the 5.3 million, I think about 5.1 million yen were included in the loan. and. Um, our uh, client had to pay about 200,000 yen cash out of pocket to purchase a 70 million yen property in uh, Komae, actually, just near Tamagawa River. Okay. Uh, the client for the 92 million loan was, um, so the first client had permanent residency, the second one did not have permanent residency. Uh, a foreign, uh, foreign husband and wife with a baby, they had no, um, they didn't have permanent residency, so the bank only gave them 100% financing. They didn't cover the closing costs. The closing costs they had to pay themselves, um, and that was about 6.1, 6.2 million yen out of pocket. 
and I was a brand new house in uh, Shinagawa World, actually, not too far from here. And the wife was actually on maternity leave when we got this, uh, um, this property as well. And we're still able to get 100% financing. Um, that's it. So, action items. Next steps. Where to? Okay, I'm getting close to the end, don't worry. Uh, look, um, oh, sorry, not where to. So what, what happens? So we've, we've looked at the, the financing side of stuff and the property side of stuff. Now we can bind them together to actually do the purchase. Okay, what happens? How do you purchase a property? What is the actual the flow of the Magare in Japanese? So first you find a property that you like. Okay, there are always two parts of it. There's the property side of things and then there is the, um, the, the financing side. And these run in parallel. <coughs> For the property side, you find a property that you like. Okay, and when you, after we do the search, it could be the very first viewings that we do one weekend. It could be several months of viewings that we do until we find the property that you like. When we find the property, we make an offer, we start discussing with the seller, okay, we're interested in buying, get the discussion rolling, and we also submit a, the documents to the bank and do a pre-approval, okay? Once we get the pre-approval from the bank, depends on the bank, usually we can get it in 48 hours, because I'll just call you know, Tanaka-san at the bank and say, look, I've emailed you these documents, please let's speed it up and get a, get a pre-approval. Once that pre-approval comes through, we can um, sign the contract with the seller, okay? And when we sign the contract with the seller, that's when we pay a 5% deposit. So you generally, it depends on the property. For a used property, a 5% cash deposit. Otherwise, we can probably get away with uh, just 1 million yen, if it's brand new from a developer, maybe 1 million yen deposit, and we sign the contract. Once we have that contract signed, we can go and do the formal application with the bank. Okay, the formal loan application and processing and contract with the bank for the, the loan issuance, that takes a few weeks. Once the contract with the bank is signed, we schedule the settlement date. And on the settlement day, we, all the parties involved get together, generally at the branch, at the, the bank office. Um, there'll be the, the seller, the seller's agent, you know, the buyer, the buyer's agent, and also the scrivener. Okay, we all get together at the bank and the money, like the 90 million yen, will actually come into your account, and then you enter on, on your phone, your smartphone, you just do bank transfers to the seller, to the agency, you do all, all, the, all the transfers, the seller checks, and you get the keys. And you have to sign and stamp a whole bunch of times, but that's the basic flow, okay? The whole process takes about four to six weeks. Four weeks if we really, really rush it, um, but generally about you know, six weeks or so from when we first find the house that you like to getting the keys for it. Okay, and the next steps. So now you've come here, you've listened to me rant for you know, a good half an hour. And okay, so where to from here? Well, you find an agent. Um, you know, any agent has access to the central database, like what we do. Generally, you'll go and you'll tell them your requirements and say, I need a house or an apartment in this area for this budget and whatnot. And they'll jump on the listing database and pull up a bunch of properties for you and take you out viewing. Okay, that, that's what I do. So any agent, hopefully, if you, yeah, if you like, use me. Um, that's the business. And yeah, then we schedule to see some properties. All right. Um, and during that process as well, what I do once we start looking at properties, is I'll also get your, your bank documents, uh, so your, your tax documents, um, you know, your tax withholding slip or your capitation show, your, your, your tax return that you file if you're a, a filer. Um, and also, I'll begin a discussion with the banks. Okay, I'll, I'll email them sort of the, the copy and say, look, you know, I'll, I don't, I'll kind of have an idea of which bank is probably the best one suited to give you the best terms, and I'll get the ball rolling there. So when we do find the property that we like, the paperwork and a lot of the, the details are already sorted out for, with, with the bank, and then we can we can jump on it and make an offer when you find the right property. And, um, one thing I do want to know, if there's anyone who's like self-employed or a business owner, quite often, um, you know, you do your balancing of your, your income and your tax return to sort of be tax advantageous. Now, for the bank, they see low incomes, that's how they assess your borrowing capacity. So, what you show on your tax return may not actually allow you to get the kind of uh, financing that you need. 
So this is something that, you know, have a discussion, look at the numbers, and think, okay, for the next two years, my business needs to improve, or my salary needs to be modified, such that it can give me this kind of uh, borrowing capacity, okay? So that's something that we kind of need to plan, you know, one to two years, because often the bank will want about two years of your, your when you're self-employed or a business owner, they'll want about two years worth of uh, statements, okay, of your, your business performance. Okay. And that brings me to the end of uh, my session. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to open for Q&A now. We've got about, you know, I think, 25 minutes. Let's see. About 20 minutes of Q&A time. Um, but also, look, this, these kind of questions also end up, I know there's a lot of personal um, you know, information that people may not feel comfortable about just, hey, I have a question, this is how much, you know, my income, my situation. So if you don't want to sort of ask a question here, please, you can uh, drop me an email, sales at realestate.jp. I'm happy to sort of answer that. Or, you know, if you reach out, just, um, we can schedule a, a Zoom call. Uh, or, or, or after this talk as well, I'm going to be hanging, out, hanging around. Um, I've blocked off my calendar for next week. Um, so myself or I've got my brother over there at the wall, uh, over there hanging out behind the bar, um, who uh, he can sort of also schedule, got a calendar app set up, so if you want to talk to him, he can just put you in the calendar for a Zoom call um, and set one up next week if you want to have a, have a chat. Um, but yeah, I'm free also for uh, the, the, rest of, uh, the rest of today. Um, so yeah, let's uh, kick on with uh, some questions. Salary for two years to be enough, or I need the company to 
do something specific? Yeah, that, that's a very good, good question. So yeah, when I said um, you know, two years, the, the, the better thing to do is you know, have like, you know, drop me an email, we have the discussion, and I, I clarify the situation, and then you know clearly what you need to do for the next two years. But um, how it is, so what the banks assess on how much you can borrow is based on your salary. So if you have the Kabushi uh, Gaisha, but you're the Daiki Authority Marayaki, you're the representative director, almost always the banks will only give you 80%, even for a Japanese national, okay? 80% financing, no, not 100% financing. There is some mortgage plans that will give you 100% financing, okay? So you can possibly get it up to a certain limit. Um, but yeah, it will be based on your income, how much you pay yourself, or your company pays you. But they will want to look at the company's balance sheet as well for the past two years. Because it's easy to say, my company pays me, you know, 20 million yen per year. But then they look at the company's balance sheet and go, hold on, it's in the red, it's in the red, right? They don't have 20 million yen, it's just on paper, you're saying you're paying it, you're paying taxes for it, but the company doesn't have that money. So they actually want to look at both. So in terms of how much the company makes, they want to make sure it's in the black, okay? They don't want to be losing, especially if you've got several years of, of statements, usually they, they look at the past two years, they want two years in the black. Some are okay with one of them being red, maybe the most recent one they want black and the previous one red, that's okay. But two years of red, well, there's no... Do you mean it's slightly Yeah, no, no, just like, you know... Yeah, no, no, even if, like, you, you, the opposite of, like, so even Ichimani in red is not good, but Ichimani in black, okay. Yeah. So it works both ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, when you're showing the amounts required to obtain loans, when you're showing the amounts required to obtain loans for, uh, um, yeah, there you are. The salary is that the domestic or is overseas uh, salaries considered? Because we tried to buy a house last year to try to get financing, and like you said, I was one of those victims. I went to one bank; it was a nightmare, and I said, "Forget it. I'm not going to do it." So I just paid cash. I don't want to deal with it. So, are they going to consider overseas income? No, they don't. So, um, good question. Yes, they definitely. Yeah. Think yourself too badly. Um, no, that, that's Japanese domestic income. I've even got like a, a one, you know, who's not, not really a client, um, Japanese lady. So she's Japanese, she lives here, um, but she works fully remotely for a an overseas, uh, an American company. The salary is paid in the US by the US company, and she remits almost all of it to Japan, and it's declared on her tax on her um, tax declaration, right? So it's actually declared, but the banks say, well, it's not a Japanese source of income. So no, we're not, we're not going to, all right? Let, let alone a foreigner with, you know, maybe just some kind of investment stuff, not even permanent employment, just some sort of business that they have that gets um, salary. It's quite difficult. And one thing to keep in mind is the banks don't actually make a great deal of money on the mortgages. It's, you know, 0.5%. Over the life of the loan, that's about 14% or 15% of the borrowed amount. So you borrow 100 million yen, they're only making 15 million yen over 35 years, which is not very much. When, like I'm, I'm Australian, we have, right now I think my mortgage in Australia is about 6%. So on a, on a million dollar loan, you're paying the bank over 25 years another million dollars of interest. Right, so it's very profitable for the banks overseas. In Japan, it's not very profitable. So they want, they'll give you great deals, but you have to be like the zero risk Japanese salary man or as near to it. The closer you are to just a typical Japanese salaried employee, the more the banks like you. Yeah, we've got a couple of questions from the online. Yes, certainly. Thank you. Couple of questions from those participating online. Uh, number one from Miss Okoli. Question on that annual tax rebate you mentioned earlier on in the presentation. Does that only apply to new homes, and what are the restrictions? Um, it used to apply to new and used homes. 
and there were different categories. It was um, for a brand new home, it was up to 400,000 yen a year for 13 years. For used homes, it was uh, 200,000. However, they changed that last April. And I'm really sorry, but I don't know the details so much of the um, what the conditions are for the new, for the revised law. I believe used properties will still be okay. The previous condition for used properties was they needed to be, if it was a wooden structure, so a house for the most part, it needed to be, I believe, under 20 years old and meet a few other requirements, like an over 50 square meters or something like that. And for a, a concrete property, so generally a, a, a mansion, um, needed to be, I think, 25 years, uh, no, not older than 25 years. However, that has changed. Um, so, sorry, I can't give you a, an updated answer off the bat, but yes, there are different conditions for it. Okay, and one more from Andreas uh, regarding financing. As a foreign resident with a Japanese spouse, uh, and I, he is on a spouse visa with my salary being quite a bit higher than my spouse's, how would that work when applying for loans to banks? Would the banks see both parts, Japanese national plus my, his salary, or would we have to decide on who would be more beneficial as the loan applicant? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. So when you have a, if it's a combined income, so that, that, that question is sort of two parts, right? One is, okay, when the conditions that I have a Japanese spouse, so I don't have permanent residency, but I have a Japanese spouse, but maybe they're not employed, or maybe they only earn a small amount, is it still okay? That's, that's fine. Um, if we jump up to the, the, uh, the criteria, okay? So if you have a Japanese spouse, the, that's for a residency requirement, not for an income requirement. They just want to know that you're going to be stable and long-term resident here. You don't, so you don't, need, you don't have permanent residency, but hey, you have a Japanese spouse, okay, we have faith that you're going to live here long-term. So they'll, they'll give you 100% financing. So the spouses, in, um, to be able to meet the residency requirement by, I don't have permanent residency myself, but I have a, a, a Japanese spouse, then the Japanese spouse does not need to have employment. Okay, they, they can be unemployed, that's completely fine. It's just a residency requirement. Okay, so I think that answers one part of the question. The other part is, well, what if um, with your, uh, um, and so even if, the, in that case, I believe the, the husband wants to get the financing, he's the main breadwinner, yeah, that's completely fine. Now, in a situation where, okay, you and your spouse both want to get um, a, a loan and just say one earns 10 million yen a year, the other person earns 3 million yen, yet you can combine that as a household income. As long as both parties meet the employment um, requirement. So for example, if someone is just a baito, a, a part-time staff, then they're not able to get the loan, okay? Um, but if both, if both people are full-time regular employees and eligible for a loan, then that can be a combined 13 million yen household income. Um, and of course, whoever's got the higher income is considered the primary person. But the fact that, you know, in this case, it sounds like he's concerned, he's relying on his wife being the Japanese um, resident, uh, the Japanese citizen, and that's why he's eligible for the loan, doesn't mean that she, her income is going to be the, the main one considered, even if she's not a, uh, um, uh, has no employment, they will still consider his income fully. Thank you. We'll get back to some in-house questions before other online ones. And, and I'll also be sort of walking around later, so um, we can ask me one more here, and then we can jump back to some of the Zoom ones, because, yeah, people here will be lots of fun to work. Later, so if Oh, sure, okay. Sure. Yeah. So, to put the question from before, the, the online guy has, um, you say we can combine the salaries. Uh, my wife and I both work for the same company. Is this a problem? Uh, it, no, it's not. But it, uh, no, it's not. It's not a problem. Um, but it does depend also on the company. So you can, if you work for Sony. No, no, uh, our, uh, company, our company. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But if it's yeah, if you are the, um, you know, if, if it's your company, you're the representative director, mm -hmm. then. They'll assess it both as, okay, you guys are both kind of representative directors. Right. Um, uh, there are situations where, you know, 
let's say if you're the representative director, but you pay yourself a little salary, and you're, you think, hey, I'll give my wife 10 million yen a year. My wife is not the representative director, she's just a, an employee, so maybe she can get 100% financing. Um, they know that you guys are married, yeah, and so they treat it kind of the same. We know that even though she's not the representative director, she has as much control because she's the spouse, and you can kind of you know modify the numbers the same way you can do it as the representative director. Okay, thank you. But in, but that's it. You can if let's say that is there's no problem with that. Then yes, you can combine your incomes, and the bank will assess you accordingly. Uh, there are some minimum incomes, so generally um, you need to get have income over three million yen per year, okay, um, in order to be eligible for a, a home loan. Or some banks will allow if the spouse, um, a spouse income, even if they need to be a permanent employee, but the spouse's income just needs to be over two million yen, they'll include that. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so let's do one more. Yeah. One more. Good. Yes. So I want to ask you about the relationship between coronavirus and the real estate industry. So what is the difference between the before pandemic and post-pandemic to real estate industry? Um, that's quite a broad question, which I think actually I'm going to leave that to the, uh, the, the Q&A panel. Um, yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah, and and that's yeah. Also, yeah. So we'll, we'll say that more. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much.